Welcome back to the Two Man Wall Podcast. And this is finally the Premier League restart. Done with that silly mid-World Cup that we just went through. Nobody cares about that bullshit. We are on to the good stuff. The Premier League is back. I can't even say it with a straight face. That was no. one of the greatest months of football I've witnessed. I'm as, still hungover. <laughs> as just a casual soccer fan. It's tough to even put into words what that month of football was mm. like. However, it's behind us. It's gone. Never getting it back. We can only move forward into the rest of the Premier League season. And there's certainly a lot to be excited about, Ethan. But it's hard to be excited about right now. I'm, I'm sure at a different point in the year, you know, I'd be more than happy to get up, you know, on a Boxing Day morning and watch Crystal Palace versus Everton. But having just watched, you know, the greatest game of soccer I may ever witness in my entire life. I don't know. For some reason, I'm just... It's just not coming to me right now. I don't know. I'm not feeling the festivities for well, whatever Put on reason. a face for the people, because we got some soccer content to cover. Um, starting off with... Some winners and losers, as the general footballing content creation nation calls it. Winners and losers. A very common uh, way of going about talking just about what teams happen to pick up things recently and what teams happen to lose things recently. So without any further ado, I'll pass it on to Ethan to talk about some of the winners and losers from the last month of football. Yeah, I mean, obviously, this is certainly an unprecedented break in, yeah. you know, Premier League history never before has I mean I guess you could say the COVID break but yeah. this obviously a little bit different never before has there been a World Cup in the middle of the season taking you know the best teams best players you know fatiguing them exhausting them coming back you know possibly mentally and physically just shattered from yeah. what was as we said an emotional and fantastic World Cup so my first winner from this six-week break is Chelsea. Uh, and they desperately, desperately needed this break. Yeah. They currently sit in eighth place, and Grandpather has not gotten a hold of his team. His starring 11s have been completely erratic. And in Chelsea's last five games, they have yielded three different formations, five different front lines, two goals, and zero wins. And I, I have them all here just because it's just that interesting i just want to read out some of the front lines that have occurred in chelsea's last five games armando against this is going from least recent to most recent so in their nil nil draw against brentford uh armando broja who is i think is now injured now for the season started up top with kai havertz then in their one one draw with united it was a front line of Aubameyang, Sterling, and Mason Mount. Probably the most reasonable of all of these. I would say so. Then, in their 4-1 loss to Brighton, Mount Gallagher on the front line, along with Kai Havertz. Then, just Aubameyang as a lone striker against Arsenal, where he was a complete ghost. <laughs> and then, in their 1-0 loss to Newcastle, a front line of Broha, Mason Mount, and Connor Gallagher. It's not. It wasn't looking good for Chelsea. It really wasn't. No consistency, and just a complete lack of regularity from his personnel and formations. He's like Lionel Scaloni, but instead he uses his tax his tactical flexibility to lose games rather than <laughs> win them. 
um yeah the six weeks off is a blessing for potter to yeah. figure out a system it was not the start he had in mind whatsoever uh i i couldn't agree more and when you talk about you know winners and losers from the world cup usually you're looking at like what players gained form gained confidence from mm. the world cup but really the an empty month of football for grand potter could do wonders he didn't lose any players to injury uh he lost some on the broha obviously mm. but um from the world cup he didn't lose many players in fact some players that gained confidence hakim ziech yeah. Now all of a sudden he could slip into the front line when he was pretty much ostracized from this team, relegated to a substitute role for the most part under Graham Potter. Like uh, very tough to say that Chelsea have taken any steps backwards during this last month. Um but again, you're right, it gives Graham Potter this break to kind of reassess. There's a lot of games coming very fast leading up to the World Cup and it kind of just fell apart for him tactically. Now, players get some rest, he gets a month of training, players can get a little bit more used to his uh, training style, his coaching style, comes back, he's got, who who, who they got first? Ooh, Bournemouth uh, at Bournemouth. home, which is a nice, yeah. you know, relative cupcake when it comes to Premier League terms, although they haven't had two bad performances recently. Um you can't even talk about form coming off a World Cup break because what what there's no such thing as form when yeah. you're not playing soccer for a month. As an Arsenal fan, it's one of the things that scares me most. Um, but you're right; an opportunity to kind of reassess over this month is probably a blessing in disguise. Yeah, and obviously, you know, some of his Chelsea players are going to deal with that World Cup fatigue. That we talked about, Mason Mount uh, was yeah. you know a part of the England squad. I think he may have lost his place a little bit towards mm-hmm. the end, but still, I mean, like we said, Hakim Ziyech he definitely gained confidence from the World Cup. But think about how much he had to invest in this World Cup campaign for Morocco. He yeah, was such a big part mm-hmm. of their run to the semifinal for Morocco, and plenty of other players were you know features for their squad. So they'll definitely suffer a bit from World Cup fatigue, but. It definitely the negatives definitely are outweighed by the positives mm. because it was an opportunity for Potter to just stop the bleeding yeah. for this Chelsea team. And so hopefully he will have taken this time and used it very wisely and for lack of better terms, got his shit together. <laughs> and now we can move on to our first loser of the World Cup break, which, as you mentioned, is Arsenal. Yep. And there's two main reasons why this World Cup break is going to have negative effects for Arsenal. The obvious one is the loss of Gabriel Jesus. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's going to be out for, I believe, three months yeah, at least. End of February though, is his earliest timetable. That's if it recovers perfectly, which, you know, Arsenal not a good hinge- history, his- uh, injury history mm-hmm. with, you know, quick recoveries. So we'll see how that goes. Um, yeah. And obviously, we've talked so much about Jay-Z's on this podcast. I don't think we really have to go that much mm-hmm. into how important he is for Arsenal. I will just go into it. <laughs> just for a little bit. But yeah. He... I don't have to go into heavy detail. But I will. I will go into heavy detail. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Jesus, other than score, which, you know, to be perfectly fair, he has been on a gold route for Arsenal leading into the World Cup break. I don't think he's scoring like nine games. But other than that, he's done about everything you could ask from a striker. His pressing, his ball winning, his dribbling, his hold-up play. He has been 
phenomenal for Arsenal. And even without his goals, Arsenal have continued to roll through the Premier League this season, comfortably sit five points top of the league ahead of Man City. And to lose him is... I don't think we can really predict what's going to happen without Jesus because he's just that important to Arsenal's attack. Yeah. Uh, I mean, there's not much to say. Like, not only is he so unbelievably important, but his backup is Eddie Nketiah, who is, it's not like he is in the least bit of proven Premier League striker. He's not bad. It's not like they're throwing in like a complete yeah. dud. But when you got a guy like Jesus that has, you know, completely unlocked the potential of Saka and Martinelli this season, especially Martinelli. Now you got Eddie Nketiah there who doesn't have the hold up play, doesn't have the dribbling, doesn't have the finishing, doesn't have the, the, the sense, the, the nose for goal that Jesus does. It's just a complete downgrade. And I look, I like Eddie and he's a really, he's a, aggressive uh presser he he can go run all day up there which jesus also has but uh, just in all facets of the game he's a downgrade from jesus and arsenal will suffer yeah the one thing i will say is that i think you were a little harsh on niketi's finishing because i think in his last you know stint you know for mm-hmm. arsenal at the end of last season he was a key player for them with big wins against chelsea away united at home mm-hmm. he had some goals in there so I think that he could provide goals, but again, he won't Might be able be some to personal bias because of I uh, just don't never liked him as a player. He yeah. he's come along a little bit. No, I was harsh on him too. Yeah, he's come along a little bit, little bit, and that'll come with age and maturity, especially for strikers in front of goal. But uh, you know, I hope I hope he surprises me. I hope he goes out and earns his place, and maybe <clears throat> this is his chance to earn a move to another club where he can get consistent playing time this summer. Who knows? Uh, I know he was almost on his way out last summer. Um, was convinced to stay. This is his chance. Uh, I I honestly think we could see something special out of Eddie Nketiah because he knows he want. I don't know personally. I don't know why he stayed, but mm-hmm. Arsenal said some magic words to him and he decides yeah. to stay. And he's basically waiting. He knew that they were looking for a striker ahead of him. He was convinced to stay basically for a chance like this. And you know, I hope he takes it. Yeah, absolutely. And that brings us on to the second reason why this break just simply does not favor Arsenal. And that's because they have almost nothing to gain from it. Yeah. And so much to lose. <laughs> they they went into this break just absolutely cruising. They were on the best form they've been probably since the Invincibles yeah. season. <laughs> it's not a bad shout out. <laughs> it's it's not really an overstatement. I don't I can't think of a better time for Arsenal in their history since <laughs> since the Invincible season, since they had Henri in his prime, really. But yeah, they've just so much to lose and so little to gain going into the break, and now yeah. they've lost that momentum. And sure, Worst Arsenal fear. are still Arsenal. They, Other than Jesus, Arsenal are the same Arsenal team. And I think other than the loss of Jesus, this Arsenal team wasn't really as affected by the World Cup as some of the other big six teams. I mean, you think about the players in this Arsenal squad who were really had big roles for their teams in the World Cup. Other than Saka, who obviously was a starter yeah. throughout England's run to the semifinals, what you had, Grant Xhaka, starter, went out in round 16. Four, Part- ga- yeah, four games for Xhaka, yeah. only three games for Party. Like, yeah, mm-hmm. you're saying. Uh, and then Saliba, you know, sat on the bench through France's entire run, you know, to the World Cup final. So, same with Ramsdale, obviously went to the quarters, but didn't play a game. So, I think... Compared to the other big six clubs, they aren't going to suffer as much from the World Cup fatigue. Yeah. 
but obviously the loss of jesus and the loss of momentum is gonna hurt them a lot so again they may be completely unaffected by this but there's no way it helps them i can see the headline at the end i could just see us talking at the end of the season and was like if not for the only Winter World Cup in history, Arsenal would have cruised to a serious title challenge. And then we're looking back at the end of the season, we're fourth, uh, four points above fucking Man U for fifth, and we're like, oof, got out of there with fourth, but like, if not for this extreme anomaly of a, of a World Cup, you know, situation... We could have been title challengers, you know. Yeah, it's we could. Have, I, I hate to say it, but like I was pessimistic about the USA a month ago, and we pessimistic about, about Arsenal. They could easily drop nine points in in the time we uh we by the time we get Jesus back, nine, ten, eleven points, and be completely out of the title race, knowing that Erling Holland is still around. So I don't know. That's obviously me being very pessimistic. This Arsenal team is still has the manager of the year, consensus manager of the year uh right now and party who's been phenomenal and you know the be- one of the best defenses record wise in the league so they still have a ton of title challenging components they just lost the big one and with that we'll move on to our second winner <laughs> from the world cup break and that is newcastle yeah. and my logic on this is gonna seem flawed because i said with arsenal we both said with mm-hmm. arsenal obviously is that you know a big issue with them could just be the halt in momentum Mm -hmm. newcastle here could not have been playing any better i think they were five wins in the last five going into the world cup break so it seems like they should be a loser in this like how could it possibly get better for them but they're almost nobody in their team got consistent minutes at the world cup Literally nobody. Yeah. I can't think of a single player. Trippier lost his spot to Walker, but other than yeah, that. Yeah, other than Trippier, who, again, like you said, lost his spot to Walker, yeah. only really played in, like, the first two games of the group stage. Gimresh, Wilson, they were all in yeah, the World Cup. Yeah. But, yeah, didn't play. Didn't get off the bench. And they're also getting Alan St. Maximum back. I think he was back in maybe like the last like two games before a world cup break but never like fully got into the swing of things mm-hmm. and they're gonna get isak back in a couple of weeks i think mean, not quite yet but yeah. after the new year so there should be no reason why their momentum slows down obviously arsenal they were losing jesus but newcastle are gaining their best mm-hmm. players back so eddie howe he's been phenomenal with this newcastle team i'm sure he was tinkering or doing a lack thereof. I don't mm-hmm. think there's anything to really yeah. tinker with with this Newcastle team right now. And I don't see how it could get worse. Maybe it doesn't get better. It'd be hard to see, you know, mm-hmm. they're in third right now. Yeah. I don't know if they could break the top yeah, two yeah, or yeah. anything. But I don't see their <laughs> yeah. momentum slowing. If they stay in third, that would certainly be a win for them. I think it's important to mention that this World Cup break was always supposed to be bad for the top six mm-hmm. because those are the teams where most yeah. of the starters are coming from so a mid-season tournament is always going to be bad for the top six because it's just going to fatigue those players newcastle now is competing with the top six and had basically no players play didn't have any injuries and so the fact that they basically stayed stagnant is like you said a win um yeah another thing to mention is that 
like one of the few few benefits of, of a midseason tournament is you get some healing time for yeah. those injured players. And Arsenal, contrary to the last twenty thousand seasons, have had little to no injuries this year, besides Emil Smith Rowe, mm-hmm. um, going into the World Cup. So it's not like they lost a big piece like party or something and are now getting him back after the world cup they they were basically healthy with party this. should have to get injured in yeah. like one of these first two games out of the world cup I break mean, it's, uh, it's likely but like yeah they, they weren't even nursing any injuries they couldn't even you know hang their hat on that it was it's just all bad things for arsenal and like you said for newcastle they had two major injuries isaac and arguably their best player on say maximon um who is now joining this you know top four challenging team uh yeah, the fact that they stayed stagnant, you could even argue got better, um is an absolute win. Yeah, definitely. And so now we'll move on to our final <laughs> loser from this winners and losers section. And that is Manchester United. And on paper for me, this team is by far the team who's gonna suffer most with their players from roll cup fatigue. Mostly their center back pairing, Rafael Varane and Lissandra Martinez. Obviously, both of them key players and their teams run to the final and all the way into that, you know, crazy, crazy game and penalty shootout. And Varane and Martinez have been the glue that has held together that Manchester United defense. And they've been so key to their, you know, relative successes this season. And I can't see how both of them just slip right back into the swing of things mm-hmm. with Man United. Lissandra Martinez, I'm sure, is not going to, you know, he didn't come back for the Carabao Cup game, neither mm-hmm. did Varane. I don't think <clears> either <throat> of them are going to be back in time for Boxing Day. Maybe Varane, definitely not Lissandra Martinez. Mm-hmm. I mean, that Argentinian party looks a little too fun for <laughs> Lissandra Martinez to be back. Yeah. To be back on time. I saw a quote from Dybala that he slept like five hours over the course of like yeah. three days uh, after. Uh, I and got, I don't blame him. <laughs> I got drunk from just watching the celebration. Yeah, honestly. And it's not just about Lissandra Martinez and Rafael Varane. They also have a lot of key players who made some deep emotional runs in the tournament. Think about players like Marcus Rashford, uh, Casemiro, yeah. Fernandez. I mean, Rashford, you know, he missed. I mean, it's not like, you know missing the penalty in, like, the Euros final, but he did, you know, have a big chance to put his team on level terms with that free kick in the last, you know, the last kick of the game, really, against France. So I think that could be an emotional hangover for them because at the very heart of it, these guys are human beings. It's hard to flip the switch just like that. I mean, you're playing for your country. You're playing in a tournament that happens once every four years. You're putting so much physical and emotional energy into these games and then you know it's all over and you have to go back and try and you know recuperate that energy that you've just spent into this tournament and try to do the same for your club you know week after week session after session it's not that easy I mean (laughs) it seems silly trying to compare it to like high school and club soccer but in a way it's similar like you know when you make you know this season I made a you know, very deep run with my high school soccer team in the state tournament. And it was very emotional. And, you know, I'm playing almost, you know, the full game. You're playing everything on the line. It's a physical. No flex. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know me, Karen, but you yeah, like, you know how it is. <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, it's a physical game. And 
you know, I'm playing a lot, and obviously emotionally, you're investing a lot in it. You have, yeah. you know, your friends and peers coming yeah, to support you. Yeah, yeah you're absolutely. representing, you know, your community. It's the same for these players. Yeah. And, you know, then a couple, you know, in a matter of weeks, I had to go back and, you know, play games for my club team, you know. Just in terms of my energy, you know, I was spent. And it's yeah, yeah, yeah. difficult to bring that same level, you know, over such a short period of time. So I do think that it's going to be very interesting to see how the World Cup hangover affects these players. Yeah, not just United, but across the league. But I think United will be subject to this the most. Yeah, uh, again, like, didn't have many injuries to kind of recoup. Mm -hmm. Um, I I guess the one positive you could take is that Harry Maguire had a pretty decent World Cup. Mm -hmm. And if you could get... Well, he had a pretty decent World Cup in 2018. And they bombed for a D-Mail. Again, you're just trying to take it. One positive that you can. Um... And, you know, if you could get him back, I know their center back partnership is pretty much locked in at Veron and Lissandra right now, but, you know, you could always use some depth and odds are McGuire is going to turn back into the frog that he was before. Yeah. But, uh, you know, if you want to take some few positives, I guess you could say that McGuire had a, had a pretty confidence inducing World Cup. Uh, but yeah, again, other than that, they did have the most players that, I mean, f- even Fred was like a 65th minute substitute for most of the Brazil games. Like, mm-hmm. they. They did have a lot of players. Anthony was another sub. Like they, they Diogo loved... Dallo too. He was yeah. a key figure for yeah, Portugal. For Portugal. Um, uh, they do have a lot of guys that, um, that were probably fatigued. But again, like it, it almost it could almost work. I think it's gonna work. It's gonna work as a negative, personally. But it could almost work as a positive because uh, you're kind of just like in the flow of things it's it's tough to to transfer the Mm. national team passion into club team passion but um if you're kind of in the flow of things instead of having this this giant basically month-long training session that guys like martin odegaard had you now have guys like dalo who played high level soccer for a month uh who young right back probably needs it same thing with sandra martinez um so it's possible we could see a reinvigorated Man United team that, you know, with a lot of guys that made deep runs. But it, again, like you said, it's also very likely that we could see a Man United team that just spent and had players go to all different national teams, you know, learn, go to new managers with new tactics and then get switched back to Eric Ten Hogg's very rigid tactical team. It, I, I don't think it's going to be as smooth as just, you know, guys are in the flow of things so yeah they're definitely loser yeah it's definitely going to be interesting to see what happens after like we said an unprecedented break in the middle of a premier league season we'll definitely be watching the effects of the world cup break very very closely and with the end of our winners and losers segment um ethan has decided to take some mercy on me (laughs) in the worst team wins redraft um what we're going to do is as you know or may know, uh, our worst, our season-long worst team wins, uh, little competition has gone as follows. Uh, me and Ethan before the season have filled eighty million pounds worth of uh, fantasy Premier League players, uh, according to the preseason fantasy Premier League official price list per player. Mm-hmm. Um, but instead of trying to make the best team, we were trying to create a team of players that 
would perform the worst, would get the least amount of points over the course of a season, whether it be through injuries, through not getting selected, through just playing poorly. Um, however, we felt they would just not accumulate points. We drafted them. Um, Ethan has been absolutely whooping my ass through a combination <laughs> of Ethan drafting well and me drafting Holland. Um, if you want to know why I drafted Holland, I suggest you go back and listen to that podcast because uh, I went back and listened to my explanation and honestly, it doesn't make sense. <laughs> uh, so it's certainly one of our better podcasts. So if you want to get back, get, go back in the TMW time machine, uh, you should definitely go listen to that one. However, Today, we're evening the odds a little bit. We're doing it since Ethan's up fucking God knows how many points at this point. I think 170, 168. 168 <laughs> points, which is a lot of points if you if you weren't keeping up with FPL. Um, so here's how this redraft is going to work. We're still keeping our same teams. However, Ethan has chosen three players to remove from my team. Um, so basically, he's going to pick the three worst performing players from my team because I was benefiting from them not getting yes. points. And I'm going to pick the three worst players from Ethan's team because he was benefiting he was benefiting from them not getting points. And we're going to fill those players with players that I choose. So or Ethan chooses respectively. So Ethan mm-hmm. chooses players for my te- to remove from my team and I replace my own players. Yes. And we're going to replace them through the same draft format that we drafted with. Hopefully that was uh, understandable enough explanation. Um, to simplify, I'm removing players from Ethan's team, Ethan's removing players from my team, and we're filling up our own teams, um, accordingly. I think it's pretty clear. Mm-hmm. All right. And if not, you'll figure it out as we go along. <laughs> sure. So, the players I am removing from Ethan's team are Cristiano Ronaldo, considering he is no longer a member of the Premier League and will be accumulating no points for the rest of his career. Before we continue, I do just want to give a salute to service for Cristiano Ronaldo for my worst team wins team. I mean, I know he didn't win the Messi-Ronaldo GOAT debate, (laughs) but he won the worst team wins GOAT debate because he had, over the course of half, nearly half a season, he had 20 points total that's a bad day for hall and then he had 20 points total over the course of the entire season and he would have had no points for the rest of the season if i didn't just feel pity for Brayden. so cristiano ronaldo i salute you for your service for my team okay continue so i'm taking out ronaldo because i can't have any more of that shit i'm taking out luis diaz because he is going to be injured until march and he'll be accumulating no points until March, and I need to get back into this thing as quickly as possible. So even though he'll probably accumulate a decent amount of points from March on, I still need to get him out of there. And the final one would be Jaden Sancho, because he is just not accumulating points, and is almost out of favor at this point. It might be for a very on-form Marcus Rashford. So those would be my three. Ethan is transferring Raheem Sterling, Christian Eriksen, and Van Dyke out of my team. Christian Eriksen being my captain, so I'm going to have to recaptain somebody. The captain accumulates double points, so it's basically a player that we are doubling down is going to have a bad season. Mm-hmm. I doubled down on Christian Eriksen having a bad season. Hasn't worked out too terribly so far. Uh, Ethan was having none of that. So, <laughs> um, so I'm going to be replacing <clears throat> definitely one defender and either two forwards, two midfielders, or one midfielder and one forward. Ethan is going to be replacing any combination of two midfielders or two forwards and one midfielder one forward and without any further ado we will also by the way need to cover the eight million dollar budget i transferred out 25 million of ethan's 
in and around, and he transferred out 22 and a half of mine. So we're still going to have to cover that budget in our drafts, but can't be the same players, and it can't be the players that we took out of each other's teams. Ethan, would you like to kick off the draft with your the redraft, the six-player redraft, three players each, with your first overall pick? I would, and I, I like this pick. I think he's he takes up like a meaty portion mm-hmm. of uh of the budget, and I am confident that he's not going to do too much for the rest of the season. And that is Jamie Vardy. Okay, I, I believe. He is, I'm looking at midfielders right now. I believe he's 9.1 wow. million. Wow. Is he? Yeah. 9.1 million huh. for Jamie Vardy. Uh, so, yeah, I like this pick. Uh, it seems like, listen, Leicester have turned their fortunes around, <clears throat> but Jamie Vardy still hasn't seen mm-hmm. too much of the field. I think in these last games, yeah, you're looking here. He hasn't played nearly anywhere close to a full 90 minutes. He's only played more than a half of soccer in, like, two of the last maybe, like, seven or eight games. So he's definitely lost his place to Pat Zendaka and or Kelechi Iheanacho. So, I mean, Vardy's still going to get goals. He's still Jamie Vardy, but Mm -hmm. he has a lot less time to do it in. He's also not bagging too many assists. He's also turned to (laughs) Red Bull uh, (laughs) during substitution spells, so... Mm -hmm. I don't know. I don't know if we saw him chugging a Red Bull before he uh, was subbed in the other day. I think he's always been chugging Red Bulls before he's gone. We only see it now because he's coming on as a sub. Before he was starting games, and he just did in the locker room, double fisting him in the locker room. Anyway, Jamie Vardy is my first pick. All right. Well, I was really hoping you didn't take my first pick because I have a bang on first pick that I was pretty sure you were going to take first pick, but I'm lucky I got him. He goes by the name of Pierre Emmerich Aubameyang. Yeah, that was that was my other. Yeah. I was thinking about taking him. Uh, I just, he is not on form. He, with the now omission of uh, Armando Broja, who's out That's the, the That is the only reason why I, I, I didn't take him. I still don't believe in him. He could play 90 minutes a game. I still don't believe in no, him. No, he probably like, still won't be good. And again, Grand Potter seems to like Kai Havertz. Honestly, I was thinking about transferring Kai Havertz in. Um out of pure spite but honestly i can't go for personal spite at this point i need to go for results and the results lead me to an off form uh pierre mccabamiang uh he is as long as Jorginho's on the field he's not the penalty taker which also factored into my decision um but again he's just not on form kind of declining in his career overall um since his prime and his recent prime in arsenal um so and he takes up a big chunk i think he believes 8.7 million so uh yes 8.7 million so i am very happy to get pierre Aubameyang in there as a forward yes definitely a solid pick there like i said was definitely considering him it was between Aubameyang and vardy in the end vardy was just a tad bit more expensive I think Aubameyang could be getting just a bit more game time, but nonetheless, I think he will be just as ineffective. So definitely a good pick there. And so for my second pick, who will be a midfielder, uh, actually I can't select another forward because I have Firmino and Richarlison, so that's a front three there. Okay. So these next two will have to be midfielders. So for my next pick, I'm definitely going more for uh, just a hefty price here than a lack of confidence in him, mm. and that's Bruno Fernandez. Okay. Um, I actually 
<laughs> and Bruno <clears throat> Fernandez as a player, I'm very confident. Yeah. I think he's actually, I think he played very well at the World Cup. And I think that, you know, even if he does get a little bit of fatigue once that, you know, passes over, I think he'll be a phenomenal player for United. Mm-hmm. He'll pick up right where he left off. I just don't think he has quite the same goals and assists output that he does or that he had for United yeah. when he first came into the team. He's nonetheless just as important. Everything in United's attack flows through him. Yeah. When he's not there, you can definitely see the difference. Yeah. That team just simply isn't the same. Uh, and he will get his share of goals and assists, but I don't think it'll be too detrimental mm-hmm. to my team. Uh, he could take penalties, I think. Um I mean, Ronaldo has, even when, obviously, Ronaldo's no longer at the club, but he hasn't really been on the field much in the Premier League yeah. this season, so Bruno Fernandes has probably still been taking the penalties, and nonetheless, he still hasn't scored that many goals. So, yeah, who knows what his goals and assists output is going to look like, but nonetheless, he takes up a hefty chunk of the budget, yeah. and I'd rather have him and a much worse player than two, like, kind of solid players. Yeah. I had to make a bit of a tactical move there. Mm-hmm. So I actually do like Bruno Fernandes, I just don't see him having the goals and assists output of, you know, a prime yeah. Bruno. I, I was thinking about Bruno too, but I, I can honestly get away with not picking him or I, I would have because at his price point, and again, you need to mm-hmm. look at price point in this, Bruno Fernandez is obviously a very good player and he's going to get goals and assists for the rest of the season, but you need to look at bang for your buck or lack thereof, you might mm-hmm. say. Uh, and that he, I believe he's rostered in like 1% of teams now. It's just something ridiculously low, and then fantasy Premier League managers realize that he is just not the goals and assists machine that he was in prior years. So, yeah, I, for bang for your buck purposes, I would definitely agree with that pick. <clears throat> and for my next pick, I am going with the player that I should have drafted in the beginning of the season and didn't, and instead took Phil Foden. <laughs> it's Riyad Mahrez, <laughs> because... Uh, if you don't, if you didn't listen to the, to, to the worst team wins uh, podcast preseason where we drafted our official teams, um, I was leaning on the fence. Phil Foden and Riyad Mahrez were the exact same price, and I thought that Pep Guardiola would go with the experience and proven quality. Not that Foden wasn't absolutely quality, but kind of just, you know, they paid 70-whatever million for him. Like, I feel like they would just <clears throat> give him the role until he lost it to Foden, who's yeah. still a young player. Uh, I was wrong. Phil Foden stepped up and not only got the starting role, but did pretty damn well in it, getting many goals and many assists. Um, I believe he's their second top goal scorer after uh, Erling Holland. Uh, but now I could get Rian Marzen, who is the <clears throat> unfortunate man who was the consequence of Phil Foden getting all this playing time. Uh, he is also a decent chunk of money for how much time playing time he gets. He's 7.5, um, which is not bad for a player that gets 30 minutes a week on average. So I'm not too mad about this one. <clears throat> it is handy handcuffing me a little bit because Mars or Foden is going to play. If Foden gets injured, Mars is going to play. If Mars gets injured, obviously Foden is going to get a lot more playing time. So it's kind of a seesaw there, but again, I kind of need to just hedge a little bit. At this point in the season, so uh, I'm going for Mars. Yeah, I was def. I had I not needed to fill my budget. Yeah, as much I definitely would have gone for Mars. The only issue is if I had gone for Mars, I would have had to go go for somebody like a Mason Mount, uh-huh. who's also like pretty good. 
So I decided to go for Fernandez, and then now my budget is only six point two million. Mm-hmm. So I can choose a much, you know, less quality player. And the player I'm going to go with is Luis Sinistera from Leeds. Sure, he is. Six point five million. Uh, although actually, oh, he's injured right now, so he's expected back January thirteenth, which is like second week. I'll, I'll allow that. You'll allow it, okay? Yeah. So that I'll stick with Sinistera. Uh, he's a good player. Leeds yeah. paid pretty decent money, somewhere in the between twenty and thirty million for him this summer. Uh, he just he just hasn't produced much. He has been injured a bit. I mean, he was injured for. The three weeks um, before mm-hmm. the uh, the World Cup break, it's possible he was replaced by Somerville, and Somerville's been phenomenal. Yeah, so yeah, it's yeah. possible he never gets his yeah. place back. If I'm being completely honest, so again, I have a lot of really good options here in the range I'm looking at. I mean, I could put in Coutinho, who hasn't really been that good. Mm-hmm. Um, also Ward Prowse, because you know, other than the free kicks he scores, he's not doing much. The else whole team just of, doesn't really produce. Yeah. You know. So a lot of good options are in this range of price, but I've opted for Sinistera. So I think in the end, you know, Bruno Fernandez, he may end up being a pretty good yeah. player and could, you know, hurt me a bit, but I think Sinistera kind of balances that yeah. out. <clears throat> That's kind of how I felt when I took Van Dyke. And then was able to take like a Shalaba and some or uh, uh-huh. something like that. It just like I could bury a guy in the defense who really wasn't going to get many points. Shalaba actually ended up getting a freaking <laughs> starting spot. Yeah. Um. But yeah, that was kind of my reasoning there. And again, that's a strategy that you can definitely apply and get away with. Um. With my last pick, I'm going with a defender, and I. Again, I went big with Aubameyang and Mares, which added up. I need to fill twenty two and a half, I believe. And Aubameyang and Mares together gets me 16, maybe 17.2. So I only needed like five or so mil. And I went with uh, Joel Matip because I think that it's going to be end up being Van Dyke and Kanate. Um, so, I, again, even if Matip does play, Liverpool yeah. are leaking a lot at the back recently. So uh, I, uh, Van Dyke was kind of a, a stud for me uh, in terms of not getting points because he was 6.5, which yeah. is a lot for a defender, and he did not get many points. So um, I think Matip being only, you know, six-tenths of a, of a million below, Van Dyke is probably going to get a similar output. So I'm taking Matip, kind of just fill that spot. And with that, we have some new teams to go back into battle. I still got yeah. a lot of ground to make <laughs> Joel up. Joel Matip has a, lot, <laughs> has a lot of, you know, Benches to sit on if he wants to. <laughs> true. If he wants to make up this deficit. Uh, I think a bombing Mars and Matip could all be seeing a lot of the per- the rest of the Premier League season from the bench. If I'm being completely honest, especially if Chelsea go after a striker in this window, which is very very likely. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, I'm I'm happy with um. I mean, I had th- th- that was my ideal three. I had some backups here: Kulishevsky, yeah. John Stones. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, I got my ideal three, so I'm I'm happy. You got your ideal three, so I think we're both happy. Yep. Anyways, we have a full match week of content to cover. Some Boxing Day fixtures. Starting with the gold picks. Back at the go with the gold picks. No, Ethan's not giving me any uh <clears throat> any uh slack on this one. He's still <laughs> up twelve goals to six in this one. If you don't know how gold picks work, 
Uh, we each choose three players we think are going to score goals in the upcoming week. Uh, but the catch is that the other player has three attempts to block the players that we think are going to score. So, for example, uh, Ethan every week seems to think that he can get Erling Holland. However, I block Erling Holland almost every week. So Ethan says, I think Erling Holland, I think Erling Holland, Marcus Rashford, and Bukayo Saka are going to score this week. And I let's say I block Holland, Kane, and Son, because Kane and Son have a good matchup and Holland is Holland. Ethan gets, instead of Erling Holland, a player that I choose, which is usually one of the worst scorers in the league. Has to be a forward, but uh, one of the worst scorers in the league. Simple enough. All right. So, do you want to do your picks first or do you want me to do my picks first? Uh, you can do your picks first. All right, I'll do my picks first. Got a good feeling about this week. My picks are, first, Eddie and Katia. And I know I just shit on him. But I feel like he's going to kind of snatch at this opportunity a little bit. Kind of mm. take it in stride. He's been waiting for this opportunity a lot. I said it earlier. He signed, basically knowing we were going to get a striker in the window. Basically waiting for his opportunities in number nine. I think he's going to step up, a little bit of confidence, and get it done. Second, I got Marcus Rashford. Very on-form striker coming off the World Cup. He, his spot at as the number nine is now open now that Ronaldo is gone and nobody could take it from him. Uh, besides maybe Anthony Martial. <clears throat> if not, I, I can't imagine that Marcus Rashford is not going to get at least 70 minutes on a, a Monday or Tuesday or Wednesday, whatever he's playing. Uh, so I'm going to with oh, Jesus Christ, I'm going to go with Rashford. Uh, third, I'm going with De Bruyne. I always like to choose De Bruyne every now and then. Uh, he's really the only midfielder that we consistently choose. Uh, just feeling a goal from this week. He's playing Leeds, who leak goals like crazy. Going with De Bruyne. Who can I get? Oh, Brayden. Oh, Brayden. <laughs> the good news is you've made history. <laughs> All right. The bad news is you've made history as the first person to suffer from a dirty double in the goal picks. You gotta be kidding me. <laughs> you can't have Niketia, and you can't have Kevin De Bruyne. Oh my you God. can have Marcus Rashford. All right. And you can also have Stuart Armstrong and Patrick Banford. <laughs> <laughs> All right. You know, this would be a great way for Patrick Banford to get off the schneid a little bit. Uh, fuck. <laughs> uh, okay. You know what? I never liked Nketiah anyway, but Kevin De Bruyne I'm a little pissed about. At least on Marcus Rashford. Rashford's got a lot of make it, like a lot of a lot of goals to score to make up. All right. And my other block was Holland, but it seems like you had the infinite wisdom not to <laughs> not to pick him, as we typically do nowadays. Uh, onto your pick. See if I can match it. All right. Uh, first pick I have Kulusevski. Okay. Uh, Richarlison injured, so. Definitely shouldn't be any doubt that he's going to start against Brentford. Uh, Brentford, they did just beat Man City in their last game, but I say just beat as if it was last week. It was really a month and a half ago. Uh -huh. So who knows how form is probably going right yeah. out the window. No Ivan Tony for them who, you know, carried them to that victory, really. Uh, so, yeah, Kulosevsky with Kane, what's on, you know, I think he's been on great form as yeah. soon as he got back into the team. <clears throat> could be in for a goal this weekend. Second pick is going to be Anthony for Manchester United. Sure. They are playing Nottingham Forest at home on Monday. Very favorable matchup. Mm. Anthony 
I believe I picked him two weeks in a row while he was injured. I don't think he's injured now. Probably will be by the time. <laughs> <laughs> by the time the game roll, rolls around, either way, he's like my Skamaka. <laughs> uh, I just have to pick him, and hopefully he'll return to his scoring form that he did just when he signed for the club. So, Anthony is my second pick, and my third pick is going to be Dominic Calvert-Lewin. Very bold. Very bold, but... I'm feeling good about him. He has a matchup against Wolves, who are currently, I believe, rock bottom of the Premier League. Mm. I think Wolves, you know, I didn't mention them in the winners and losers, but they definitely have to be a winner from getting a break, even if it's just to delay the misery for Wolves fans, yeah. just to have <laughs> six weeks where they don't have to watch they, their team play. Yeah, they, uh, they didn't lose for six weeks, that's yeah. the good news. <laughs> But you can't work miracles in six weeks. Even if Wolves improve, they're still going to be shit. And Everton, while also pretty shit, yeah. <laughs> do have Calvert-Lewin back. And Calvert-Lewin can score some goals. And I didn't yeah. want to pick someone obvious like, I don't know, Kevin De Bruyne. <laughs> so <laughs> that's my third pick. I really hope you didn't get him because I was really cocky about that. So can Yeah, you can have Dominic okay. <laughs> In fact, you can have all three. I blocked Holland because it's not even worth not putting him as a block. Um, Alexander Mitrovic and Gabriel Martinelli. So, yes, you can have all three. I'm in trouble this week. I'm in trouble overall, but especially this week. And to wrap up the podcast, we have a couple matches to predict, starting off with Arsenal hosting West Ham United. Yeah. Um, just like you. I think Nketiah's going to score, <laughs> except I just didn't put him in my picks. Yeah. Uh, I do like Arsenal in this game. There's no reason not to. Obviously, they're losing Jesus, but I do think Nketiah is a good striker in his last large stint, you know, long stint, you know, with the first team. He played very well. West Ham, again, you don't know how a team's going to benefit from the six-week break, but they were terrible um, going into the break. Mm. So Arsenal, they're just a much better team than West Ham. They're playing at home. I'm sure the Emirates will be very loud, oh, very yeah. happy to see their oh, team yeah. back in the Premier League. So I see no reason why Arsenal, maybe they don't stroll. Maybe, you know, the going gets tough a little bit. But 3-1 victory. In the mm. end, I think it will be fairly routine. I, <clears throat> I'm going to agree. Uh I think it's go. They're going to leave it late, though. I think that that chemistry and that fluidity that they had going into the break is not going to be all there right away. I think it'll get it at some point, but the first game after the break, I think is going to be a little clunky. Um, I think they'll concede. I think they'll actually go down one nothing, but Nketiah will get the equalizer, and then <clears throat> Martin Odegaard. Captain Martin Odegaard will get the winner in 82nd in front of the clock end. 2-1 Arsenal. Last but not least, Leicester host Newcastle United. Yeah, uh, I'm really excited for this matchup. Obviously, there's a lot of places in the, the Premier League table that separates the two, but in terms of form, they've been... You know, going stride for stride with each other. I think Leicester have won four of their last five, Newcastle five of their last five. So these are two teams, again, on really good form. But the question remains, 
what is form, <laughs> you know, coming off of this long, long break. So I'll be really interested to see what happens. I think <clears throat> that in the end, it'll probably be a draw. Mm-hmm. I think Leicester have gone their act together, and I think the break will help both them and Newcastle. Mm-hmm. Again, they haven't really lost too many players to the World Cup, and even you know the few that they have didn't really get much playing time. So Leicester at home again, I think that favors them. If it was in Newcastle, much different story. I mean, the atmosphere at St. James's yeah. Park, very difficult to play there this season. But Newcastle away from home, still, you know, the defense will remain solid as ever. I think they'll leak one in. Uh, so I'm going to say 1-1. One, one. I'm, I'm going to disagree. I think Newcastle, I think it's underestimated just how good they were going into this break. They were really, really good going forward. They have the tie for the best, I believe, tie for the best defensive record in the Premier League with Arsenal. Just solid everywhere, getting St. Maximon back, getting Isaac back. Just, I, I think this team uh, is going to put it together against a lesser team that uh, is talented, but still not all there. I don't think they're even close to, to Newcastle's quality right now. Um, the fact that they're at the King Power obviously helps Leicester, but I, I do think Newcastle are going to get the job done. Uh, 2 nothing Newcastle. And with that, <clears throat> we will round out this Premier League restart episode of the Two Man Wall podcast. Hope we got you all nice and ready for the Premier League restart. I'll certainly be watching. Nice Boxing Day fixtures. Enjoy your Christmas. Enjoy your Hanukkah. Enjoy whatever holidays you celebrate. Um, and we will see you on the other side of our first match week back from the World Cup. Adios. See ya.